0: Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once again and all and forever 843-664-8989 HeritageDigital.com Rock and roll It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks On the Inside the Gamecocks podcast Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Game Guys Podcast, Monday, April 25th. Thank you for joining me today. JC Sherbert here with you. Uh thanks to Heritage Digital as always for sponsoring the first segment of this podcast. Give Matt a call if you're tired of your computer guy, as it said in the ad at the opening of the show. Uh, you know, kind of a crappy weekend, uh, if you're a Gamecock fan in, in some ways, some ways, maybe not, uh, depends on how big of a baseball fan you are. Gamecocks get swept by Auburn on the road. First, uh, first sweep for Auburn, I think in the SEC in three years, I read somewhere, um, Gamecocks have routinely beaten Auburn over the years and, uh, Auburn pretty good this year, top 20 team, probably going back to the tournament, but, uh, Ah, just disappointing. The bats were not there. Uh, game three, trying to salvage one. Uh, It just was not a good series. And so you look at where things are at right now. The game packs are under 500 overall. They're 6-12 and 12 in the SEC. You got uh, 12 SEC games left, 15 overall. Yeah, they're going to have to have a big finish, and I, I just don't see it. And so then that brings us to the next point, which is what do you do with Mark Kingston after this year? Uh, I think if things don't get better, you need to make a change. Um, nothing against Mark Kingston. And I know this is not as easy as maybe the Muschamp thing or even the Frank Martin thing. Although I thought I thought the Frank Martin thing, there, was a, there were actually a lot of questions that, that could have been asked uh, with regards to that. I know it was sort of a mandate, make it or you're gone. But, you know, you, you kind of look at who he had coming back, who he had coming in of this year's success. Um, you know, and I know a lot of you probably feel like it was time to go. Uh, and I'm happy Frank landed at UMass, and he's off to a good start up there. But, um, you know, I, I, I think there were a lot of questions and layers with that one uh, that maybe because of the past uh, were not, you know, discussed. Mm-hmm. Early. I think that decision was made. Uh, I think the loss in the SEC tournament made it easy. But you look at Kingston, okay, first year supers, right? Uh, Was not off to a good start, kind of similar to this year, and then caught fire down the stretch, ended up making it all the way to the super regional. Really successful first year, 11 draft picks on that roster that Chad Holbrook left. Second year, uh, worst in program history in the SEC. Third year, COVID canceled it. They were off to a 12 and four start. They lost to Clemson and Northwestern. So, what little small sample size you had in 2020, I don't know that you can say that team would have been good. I don't know that you can say it wouldn't have. Uh, 12 and four is a good record. Losing at home to Northwestern in baseball is unacceptable. And then they lost to the Clemson Series. So, then last year, uh, back to the regionals as a host, one of the most difficult seasons. Uh, I think for an SEC baseball, any SEC baseball team last year, there are just a lot of great teams. Of course, Mississippi State I not won it all. Uh, but the Gamecocks' schedule last year from the West was, you know, they avoided Alabama, Auburn, and A&M, which were the, you know, three worst teams uh, in that division, uh, and had to play all the good ones. So, uh, you know, I, I still don't look at last season with a lot of warm fuzzies because – as I've said many times, the, the the standards for this baseball program are based in the postseason. You know, Ray Tanner, when he was the head coach, always had, you know, some regular seasons that went up and down. You know, he usually won all his midweek games, which is something Mark Kingston has not done. A lot of ugly losses this year. And really through his tenure. Uh, you know, he'd try to win Fridays and Sundays, and, uh, you know, they'd scratch it out. There were plenty of, like, 15 and 15 SEC records, and then you got to the postseason, and you always felt like, you know, there was no disappointment. Uh, even when they did not make the Supers or make it to Omaha, you know, you, you felt even, even with some of those losses in the regionals, you said, well, you know, these guys gave it all they got. You know, this was not an Omaha-level team. They gave it all they got to the last out. And that that was the standard that was set. Uh, last year, did anybody feel that way? They gave it all they got to the last out? No. They, they went in a hitting slump, uh, the mother of all hitting slumps, in a regional, you know, where they, they – no offense to Dallas Baptist, but they they would have had Dallas Baptist coming in for a super because of an upset on the other side of the bracket. So it, a, it really is a blown opportunity you know, for this program to get back to, you know, where everybody wants to be, Omaha. Even if you go out there and go two and barbecue, you know, you, you feel like they would have taken care of business uh, had they made it. And I just don't think they did. I mean, you know, that, that's the bottom line. It was disappointing to lose two to one to old dominion when um, they had, you know, 8,000 in the stands, like old times after COVID uh, packed house, And uh, uh, and that's just kind of how I feel about it. It's my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. If you felt like last year was a really good year, then, you know, I I don't agree with you, but uh, I I think you can make an argument for it, and I think you're completely wrong. Um, So so you look at the body of work, and, and then this year, they're last in the SEC, 14th out of 14. You know, maybe there's a worse team that ends up finishing wherever. Uh, but you know, two years, uh, of, of being, you know, Chad Olbrook was here five years, right. He had two years. He didn't make the tournament, uh, made the supers, hosted a regional, got upset and then made another man, two super regionals while he was here. So his body of work was much better. Uh, now he didn't have to go through COVID and, you know, I, I think there's something to be said, maybe, for that, I think there's something to be said for the injuries. Definitely they've had on the pitcher's mound this year. You can't control injuries, folks. Um, but when you are charged with retooling your batting order and, and your batting order still, your your lineup still is kind of disappointing, uh, you know, that, that just kind of seems same movie we were, we're watching over and over again. You know, and they've uh, – You know, those midweek games were ugly. And and it's crazy because this team this year, kind of unlike that team that was, you know, terrible, uh, that also still finished five hundred by the way, overall. Uh, This team's had its moments, you know, beating Texas, beating Vandy at home, uh, got up off the mat, won a series against Ole Miss, beat North Carolina and Charlotte badly. Uh, There's been moments, but you know, swept by Clemson, swept by Auburn, you know, blew some games against Georgia. I mean, you know, it it hadn't been good. You know, I'm not going to sit here and blow sunshine about it because, you know, there's been good moments, but it hadn't been good enough. Uh, And so I I think they need to make a change. I think there's too many good baseball coaches out there that would love to take over this program. Uh, I think, you know, for those of you that, you know, I, I don't agree with those of you that think, well, you just need to give Kingston another year because Tanner can't be allowed to hire another coach. I, I, I think that, you know, you're digging more of a hole uh, if you do that. Um, I just, you know, and I think that, that given the coaches that are out there, you know, one thing I would like to see is, is them not go through this meandering thing where they interview everybody. And pick the best interview or whatever. I, I you know, I'd, I'd hope they just target somebody that's really good and then have somebody else that's really good. And then maybe two more that are really good and just go down the list, you know, don't open it up. Just you're my number one guy. Do you want it? No. Well, I'm going to number two. There you go. Uh, which is sort of like what Ray did with the first football search he conducted. And then it got past two and, ended up with Champ, and I think Champ was probably, from what I was told, was told, always number three right there from the beginning. Um, but, you know, this basketball search did not go that way. I mean, you know, maybe there was a preference for Dennis Gates over Lamont Paris or, or Matt McMahon or whatever. It certainly was for Sean Miller, but it just seemed to kind of meander, and then they landed on the best interview. Um, with regards to the football search that ended in Shane Beamer – you know, I, I think that was kind of a different animal because Beamer had such overwhelming support. Uh, it kind of went as expected. Uh, I thought the top three candidates were going to be Scott Satterfield from Louisville, Billy Napier from Louisiana and Shane Beamer from Oklahoma assistant and Beamer got it. Uh, and you know, they probably could have worked something out, uh, with one of the other two guys. Um, you know, and then there was a Hugh Freeze deal in there a little bit and, you know, maybe some other folks. But I uh, yeah, I look at it and it was a uh, Brian Johnson, of course, was interviewed. The O.C. at Florida at the time was now in the NFL. But it, I don't you know, it, it took a while, but I know I, I never got the sense that thing was meandering. It was more of a question of who. And I think that when you look at the available baseball coach, not the available baseball coaches, but the baseball coaches South Carolina could hire, I, you know, I think you got to go do it. Now, a lot of people are talking about the money and the buyout and all that. Look, that's just gonna be disappointing if that keeps a move from being made, because you know what, you know, do you care about the sport? I mean, you know, I think we all do. Everybody loves Carolina baseball. Yeah. Some of you aren't baseball people and you know, you probably care more about football and basketball uh, or just football. And that's fine too. But, you know, unlike some other schools where baseball is just sort of an afterthought, yeah, just let it keep going, whatever, save the money. Um, You know, this is not a save the money school in this sport. Uh, So like I said, barring a turnaround, I, I think you have to make a change and, and I, I, is it completely fair considering, you know, this year with the injuries and all that? No, but when you do, if you consider big picture and body of work, yes, I think it's a completely fair thing. And, you know, COVID be damned. I mean, that was two years ago and they certainly made it to the regionals last year. And, you know, your task with, you know, having depth and managing your roster when you're a coach and, and having the ability to hit the baseball and pitch and, and all that. And, you know, it'd be a different thing, I think, if, if shoot, they're out there, you know, knocking it around the yard and able to hit and just blowing leads because they didn't have a bullpen or whatever, which has happened, which has happened. But it, it, it's just something that's just not, it's just not right. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. And I've had questions about this really since, the, the second year, third, the third year when the, the season got canceled and, and they went out and did lose to Northwestern. They did lose to Clemson. You know, that that year ended prematurely, obviously. But, uh, you know, you come back the next season and, and the regionals last year really sort of, I don't know, made me think about it, <laughs> about the standards not being met. And then this year, certainly the standards are not even close to being met. With the program. It's too good of a job. There's too many people that care uh to just sit there and waller around in mediocrity um uh, in terms of um the Carolina baseball program. So that's that with that. Uh it's NFL draft week. Uh Kingsley in looks like probably the best. Um uh, forgive my dog for walking around he on the hardwood floor every time I I try to. Do this, by the way, if you're hearing a tapping noise, hopefully you're not. But if you are, uh, hopefully he'll just lay down and, and eat his bone that he's got in his mouth and go to sleep here soon. Um, Kenny Kingsley and bar looks like the highest guy uh, right now. Uh, I think third round, second round, something in there. Didn't quite get to first. I don't know that he was a first rounder. I, you know, I, I I think he was really good. Um, then, of course, the two running backs, the Quandre White and Kevin Harris, probably day two or three picks. Uh, but we know running backs don't really go that high. Uh, I don't know that that has a lot to do with what kind of pros either want to be, because I think I think both of them have, have a shot. And you now running backs go, you know, they get them in there and they have a shelf life and they what, you know, they wear out. And so then, you know, Kevin Harris been in the league as a backup two years, and he's killed it, and somebody's going to sign him, and then he's going to be the workhorse for a while. and Then they, they just keep going through it, through, through it. Very rarely do you have, um, you know, running backs like Adrian Peterson. Uh, in the NFL, just for for honesty. It's a different kind of deal. But I know the scouts love White. Uh, they love, uh, you know, his speed. They love the fact that he's a three-down back. Uh, and they love Harris, too. Harris, fast. You know, he ran a pretty good 40-time at the Combine, and, and his production, although it went down this past year, uh, has been pretty good during his career, and he's he's got an NFL body. So I think they'll all three be drafted. Um, maybe some other guys too. But I, I think, you know, if you're looking for the one guy that will be up there, I think it, it's, it's JJ and And like I said, most of the people are saying second or third round. So good for him. Uh, South Carolina basketball, men's, did have a commitment. Uh, the first scholarship guy for Lamont Paris, Hayden Brown, transferred from the Portal, from the Citadel, played at Burns High School. We all know I love Burns, right? Uh, you know, kind of a, a six-foot-five, blue-collar, do-it-all guy. Shoots it okay. You know, shoots it okay. Uh, kind of streaky a little bit. Uh, best comparison is probably Michael Carrera, but I don't, you know, I, 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 I hate player comparisons. Uh, but I think I think he's a worthy guy, you know, I, I think, to be on the roster considering the the number of, I guess, uh, spots you know, that they need. Uh, I, I think he's a worthy guy uh, for that. Julian Phillips, five-star guy, the class of 2022, five-star forward guard, uh, signed with LSU early, got out of his letter of intent. well Wade got fired, visited Carolina over the weekend. uh Just from talking to people, it seemed to go well. um I just don't know that they're going to get him. You know, I, I, I it wouldn't be as big of a shock if they got him as you know maybe at times it's been you know for, for it would have been otherwise. but uh, I, I just don't know. I just don't know with that right now, but uh, it did go well. it did go well. Uh, Crystal Ball, oh, by the way, GG Jackson's supposed to announce his decision on Wednesday do not expect that to be the Gamecocks. Uh, I think North Carolina is probably going to get GG. Class of 2023 guy, and I don't know if he'll reclassify or not, you know. So there's that. Um, and that's probably about it as far as news and notes go. Uh, have got to get into a little recruiting here. Uh, here on inside the Gamecocks and then the mailbag. And I want to tell you about Cindy Shear Realtor, uh, from Coldwell Banker Kane in Spartanburg, my hometown. Uh, Right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate for over 35 years and would love to help you with your real estate needs. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email her cserfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcain.com. That's cserfoss, S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcain, C-B-C-A-I-N-E, dot com. Uh, Spartanburg, Greenville, Union, Woodruff. Well, it's not a county, is it? Uh, Anderson, County, Pickens. Wherever you're at in the upstate, Cindy can certainly help you. If you looked at the uh, Big Spur Instagram, that's at the Big Spur 247, uh, or the Inside the Gamecocks Instagram, at Inside the Gamecocks, uh, you'll see that we had some of her listings listed, open houses, things like that, uh, as part of her support for this podcast. That's Cindy Falls, Caldwell Banker Kane, 864-414-5271 a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Usually sponsors the second one uh, right here. Um, By the way, great interview with Taylor Edwards. If you missed it, that's the episode we dropped on Thursday. Uh, Go back and listen to that because it's awesome. Uh, really gives you a lot of ideas about, um, you know, I guess the inner workings of recruiting. Uh, at South Carolina. I had a lot of good things to say about Derek Moore. Uh, I think, you know, I I read an article in the, uh, in Sports Illustrated, I think Pat Forty wrote it about how, you know, a lot of coaches, Matt Luke, the offensive line coach at Georgia, who used to be the head coach at Ole Miss coming off a national championship, 45 years old, plenty of money in the bank says I'm done (laughs) with college coaching for now. I want to, watch my kids grow up, all this other stuff. Uh, And it's an interesting dynamic with coaches that have changed uh, with the NIL and the transfer portal because – and I'm going to work this back to Derek here in a second – you have to almost recruit your roster 24 hours a day, seven days a week Uh, because people will jump on the portal go someplace else. NIL, uh, name, image, likeness has been another big thing where you have – certain schools with certain collectives or organizations or companies that are just just writing checks for recruits. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically the bottom line. Uh, Miami, uh, which is, you know, if there's one school, I think in general, that's really going to capitalize off NIL and can do it, it's Miami just because of the market they're in. It's sort of the willingness by a lot of their people down there. You know, they don't have a huge fan base, but they've got some folks with deep pockets. You know, to step in and do it. You know, they got a, I got the pack. His name is Pack. He's a Kansas State basketball player, averaged seventeen a game in the Big Twelve last year. He's coming to the U, playing the ACC, and you know, one of their collectives or whatever, one of the companies that sponsor Miami Athletics signed him to an eight hundred thousand dollar deal for two years, largest they've done, eight hundred grand, man. Uh, a name, image, likeness, deals, life wallet. That was it. You know, South Carolina does not have a life wallet right now. But that was a big, you know, that that that's kind of an eye opener. And, you know, and, and I think some of it's fear because I, I look around and I, I just don't see in football especially, I, you know, I, I don't see like the vast majority of recruits, you know, caring about all that. Now, look, I'm looking at it sort of from a the prism of South Carolina here. So, you know, we could get to a point where, you know, South Carolina is in good shape, and I'm going to talk about the crystal ball here in a second for four or five guys, and they all go elsewhere because they NIL, and at that point you got to sound the alarms. You know, people want to know why the NIL, I established an NIL collective. Uh, by the way, I'll give an update on that in a minute. It's, it's because I think, you know, South Carolina needs more of that. You know they need some folks beyond one that can, you know, sit there and do some various, you know, different things, diverse things for student athletes to make money doing and all that. So that's uh, that's kind of what um, what that was for. But but I also think you know just looking at it sort of player by player, the vast you hear about these things popping up, but the vast majority of guys are not, you know. I don't know, not, not swayed by it so far. Uh, maybe they don't get offered by it. Maybe they all, the, all these big dollar amounts are just for a few guys and everybody else is going to go whatever. I, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting things out there with college sports right now with regards to this subject and the transfer portal. And um, I think they're going to have to – decide what to do if there's anything to do. Because I'll tell you this right now, the NCAA's asking the United States Congress, the federal government to step in and regulate it. And I'm like, they're not going to do that. And even if they do, and they limit the earnings uh, or something like that, You know, will it survive the Supreme Court? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of questions when you're talking about federal law. And and so, you know, my thing is this: you know, Nick Saban, in his in his wisdom, always is pretty much spot on. You know, Nick Saban's players with NIL last year made more money than anybody in the country by a mile because they're Alabama. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of interest, and a lot of those guys are future pros and all that good stuff. Uh, but what he said was, you know, it, it's creeping into recruiting. So you're basically buying players, and you know, you, you I don't know. That's a slippery slope, um, and then you have, like I said, some media outlets pushing that aspect of it. Slippery slope. Okay, uh, I tend to believe that you know, and I love name, image, likeness for players. You know, I love the fact that Zach Pickens, is, Dakarian Joiner, Marshawn Lloyd, Spencer Rattler, uh, Devani Reed. All these guys have their own clothing lines. They can go; fans can purchase shirts from them. I mean, I think that's great. I'm collecting them because I like it. You know, uh, I think it's kind of cool. It's a custom shirt that a player designed you know I also think the skills you learn from entrepreneurship in college are probably more valuable than you know an introduction to Canadian yarn art or, or some of those liberal arts courses that we all took you know that, that help us none in the real world <laughs> you know I, I think I think you know if college is about education you know, having kind of a business incubator or whatever, that, that's huge if you want to go into business or if, you just, if you're just protecting your own personal brand. I think it's big. You look at what the women's basketball players have done. with it. I love that. I love that. I just don't think it should touch recruiting as far as individual deals being made, you know, with recruits. I, I think that, you know, if you have a robust NIL program, at your school, and you can point to this is how much player like you make, this is how much your value is, this is how much it goes up. I mean, you know, that's very attractive, you know. But I think, especially in football, this guaranteed stuff, and I'm not talking about what Oklahoma did. Oklahoma did something smart. You know, Barry Switzer's, you know, putting together a collective, and and they're going to give everybody 50 grand right off the bat, across the board. Great. You know, because everybody gets 50 grand. So, so who gets more than 50 grand? Well, your best players do. Well, how do you become the best players? We still have to work. You know, you give your quarterback 8 million to walk in the door, you know, and, and you got everybody else working hard, and he's like, eh, it's going to cause some problems. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm looking around at some of these schools that have done that, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm curious to see the outcome with, with these guaranteed deals for basically nothing. You know, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I do think that, you know, getting back to coaching, that, you know, there are some folks that, you know, in a different era, they enjoyed college because, yeah, you have kind of your time you go coach and then you got your busy time where you're on the road recruiting a lot. Well, then you got off time, you know, we're, we're off. You know, sometimes the summer you're, you're off a lot. You know, now you got recruiting all summer. <laughs> You got uh, very few breaks. uh, And then you got to recruit your own players. And then, you know, it's not just about football. A lot of the things these coaches have to do at different programs has nothing to do with actually coaching the game. You know, and whereas the 12-hour days in the NFL during the season used to get old for college coaches. And so they were kind of hesitant to go. And the money's about the same. Now I think you're going to see them jump. I think you're going to see them jump. And I think you'll see more situations like Eric Kimry too, where if a guy's not making crazy bank as an assistant college football coach and he gets a good high school opportunity like that, they're going to jump. I just think that, uh, you know, that's a lot of this is not what a lot of these guys signed up for, you know, and that was interesting. So how do you kind of insulate your program from – tampering and guys hitting the portal because of NIL deals and money. And all. I don't think you can, uh, but what you can do to kind of buffer that, I think is exactly what Shane Beamer is doing. And, you know, I'm not going to get too far into Dabo Sweeney, but I think Dabo does the same thing there uh, is you just establish a great culture to where people don't want to leave, you know, and, and you take care of your current players NIL wise. And stuff, and you make sure you have a robust situation for them. I think Alabama, too, you could throw in that category based on what you know Saban's doing. So, you know, guys like Derek Moore, like in that interview Taylor did with me, that becomes very important. You know, that position, those types of positions, uh, whereas at times they were kind of a luxury item, or you'd get a you get a chaplain that was there part-time or whatever. Uh, those player development, personal life skills guys, like what Derek does, motivational guys, life guys, uh, that's paramount. Because uh, Derek's type of person, as T- Taylor pointed out in the interview, that, that everybody seems to connect with. And uh, I was told when they hired him, he'd two or three recruits a cycle. I'm not getting into which recruits he's responsible for, but uh, that number's about right, and it's probably more. And so, you know, Shane Beamer has established guys like Moore and guys like Luke Day and Chip Morton and the strength staff and, and off-the-field guys and analysts that, you know, and I think those those roles are going to be what keeps the the 10 assistant coaches and the head coach safe, to be honest, uh, with this coming thing in college football. So you know, I, I think South Carolina's positioned well uh, to weather some of the storm. Um, you know, I think that it is scary when you sit there and you, you're in a state that's smaller. That probably, you know, South Carolina doesn't have a bunch of billionaire oil money. Uh, I guess donors. Uh, South Carolina also does not have, you know, like Tennessee. Uh, is a large set. There's 6.5 million people in the state of Tennessee. It's a larger school with a larger fan base. And you know, we don't think about how big the fan base is around the SEC because they're all pretty big. But you to, there's more people that are Tennessee people. So just by numbers alone, you know, they're going to be able to raise more money for NIL, for whatever you want. So, you know, it, that's the thing. Well, it. It does, it does kind of, if you're a Gamecock, you sit there and you're going, man, how's this going to happen? Uh, it looks daunting, but it's not. I mean, I, I think that the idea, keep plugging away and look, like I said, I, I'm not going to, uh, Carolina rise, uh, my LLC or my LLC collective, uh, again, just want to point out, I'm not taking any money off of it. I'm not making any money off of it. It's all for deals for players. Um, you know, we had a lot of people sign up Saturday for 15, 20 bucks a month. That makes a huge difference. Uh, and I sent some of you the, the link to join up, and we're going to have a full website up where you don't have to just use PayPal. PayPal kind of sucks for a lot of people, and I understand that. Uh, where you can donate, uh, you can send in checks. Uh, we need all the resources we can get. So, you know, the Gamecocks remain competitive. Competitive. So that's uh that's the deal there. Um, all right with Carolina. Anyway, by the way, anybody that wants the link to donate to Carolina Rise, let me know. Uh, but you know, I, I think that Beamer, with uh with everything right now, you know, I don't see any signs of things to be concerned about, especially dealing with, you know, just looking at South Carolina and their recruiting. Uh, and all that good stuff, you know, and I'm going to get to that here in a second too. Crystal balls have been dropped. Um, uh, Jaden Robinson, four-star linebacker from Lake city, Florida, Columbia. I love the fact that Gamecocks are recruiting Columbia high school in Lake city. Uh, you guys remember Laramie Tunzel <laughs> went to Ole Miss, caused some problems there. Uh, I, uh, Laramie, uh, Went to Lake City, Columbia. Tim Juergen may have gone there, too. D tackled and went to Florida State. But I've been there for a game. It's uh, it's right there sort of between Gainesville and Tallahassee in the middle of Florida-ish. Uh, but they always had good players. I just – South Carolina, for whatever reason, you know, Spurrier Jr. had that territory for the Gamecocks. And he he sort of stayed around Gainesville, Ocala. Uh, and look, you can't recruit every single place, and, and that may have been a no-man's land too and may have been technically whoever had the panhandle, but I, I don't remember that, whose territory that was. Uh, Muschamp, they, the whole state of Florida, they just sort of spot recruited. Uh, I don't know that Muschamp had the best. Not, I think Muschamp had a good name in Florida because, you know, besides the losing – you know, he, he's a very well-liked guy, <laughs> you know, and rightfully so. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to establish momentum down there, and, you know, you're at the University of Florida, and things didn't go well. Maybe that's maybe that was strategic. But, uh, you know, th- this new staff, South Carolina's new staff under Shane Bieber, they, they I think they've gotten into certain pockets of Florida pretty well so far. You know, and Jaden Robinson, the linebacker from Lake City, Columbia, is one of them. Uh, and he's a really good player, four-star prospect. If you go a little to the east, there in Jacksonville, Grayson Howard, who's visiting the same weekend, another four-star linebacker uh, from Florida. The Gamecocks are in on, and so I dropped a crystal ball for Jaden. Dropped a crystal ball for Jalen Kilgore. Uh, by the way, if you have not seen his tape, it's good from Eatonton, Georgia. High three-star guy visited Oklahoma this past weekend, and and I I, I prefaced that in the article in the Big Spur, that, you know, this is a prediction being made for in the now. Uh, I think Jalen Kilgore could be a guy that blows up, that has, you know, we talk about tiers. I think he's a tier two prospect right now because you're looking, so who do you have to beat? Well, you have to beat Florida. You have to beat Oklahoma on a kid from halfway across the country. You know, that's not the same as having to beat Alabama and Georgia on on a kid or, or Clemson. On a kid from Georgia right now, so that would be tier two. Now he could end up being tier one, and at that point, you know who knows who knows what will happen. Uh, but right now, Crystal Ball is in for the Gamecocks and Hale McGranahan. hell yeah, dropped a Crystal Ball for uh, Dylan Lonergan, uh, who the, is the four-star quarterback the Gamecocks have been chasing in this class for a long time. Two-sport athlete, baseball guy too. Uh, the quarterback dominoes, man, in recruiting. Um, I think Alabama has him on the board ands keeping him warm. Will they get Eli Holstein, who used to be connect, you know, committed to uh, Texas A&M? And, you know, what will happen there? Uh, but Hale felt good enough about it to go ahead and drop it for the Gamecocks. You know, Stanford's kind of a dark horse there because of their uh, academics. And then, you know, Florida, Florida's in it, too. They're in the top five. They made the top five. Uh, and so you look at it, and you're like, oh, you know, you Billy Napier's got a big operation down there. He's sort of a newer guy, you know. Will they could they swoop in? I don't know. Uh, but right now, everybody feels good about him uh, with regards uh, to him coming to South Carolina mm-hmm. and being a Gamecock. So we will see uh, sort of how all that plays out. All right, time for the mailbag. Here on a Monday, appreciate you guys joining us on a Monday, by the way. And the mailbag, as always, is sponsored by uh, our good friend at uh, IHelp Consulting, Daniel Owens. Um, and I've told you about Daniel. And you know, he, he can help you save business at IHelp Consulting, credit card processing, insurance, telecom, uh, whatever without sacrificing quality but you may be wondering how it works it's very simple you call or text daniel 843 set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting FaceTime, zoom whatever daniel's going to examine where there may be savings and let you know if you're paying junk fees or if your rates are too high you may be wondering how i help gets paid or that a consultant will charge more than they're worth Maybe may be thinking i help will save me three grand but charge me four well that's not how they do business you only pay a percentage of your first-year savings. Uh, not only that, if they can't help you, you don't owe IHELP a dime. So call or text Daniel right now, 843-372-5713, or go to ihelpconsulting.com and give him a shot. He's been a sponsor of the mailbag for a long time, and I hope he's a sponsor of the mailbag uh, for a long time moving forward. IHELP Consulting, how can I help you? Two ways to get in the mailbag, as always. First of all... You can follow us on Twitter at the Big Spur Pod. Slowly but surely getting wanna to get to a thousand followers on that Twitter account by um, by the time the season starts. I think it's modest. Uh, 845, I think it's the number they're at. Uh, but it's at the big spur pod. You can tweet to us at the big spur pod, and I'll read it off. Also, inside the game guys now has a Facebook page. It's at Inside the Gamecocks. Pretty simple right there. So like it on Facebook and then like us on Instagram. Instagram account's growing uh, Mm -hmm. at Inside the Gamecocks there Mm -hmm. as well. So lots of Twitter stuff coming up. Um, And first one's in from the upstate Gamecock. And he just says, awesome interview with Taylor. Thank you. And thank Taylor. I mean, look, man, I didn't say much. It was all Taylor Edwards, <laughs> so that was good. Thomas says, at the Bigsburg Pod, could you get Justin King on the show for an interview? I really like the Taylor Edwards. I think King would have an interesting perspective from past to current staff. Uh, I'll give you a maybe on that. I'll give you a maybe on that, Thomas. I don't know. I don't know about getting Justin on, but we. Uh, I will certainly try to get more guests along those lines occasionally. How about that? Uh, damn it. Dave says it was a great podcast interview. Maybe my favorite episode yet. So lots of compliments coming in off the tech line and pastor hate to bring this up, but we all agree that success against them is a measure that every Gamecock fan pays attention to through spring ball for both programs. Has the gap been closed at all between Carolina and Clemson? The Cox are moving forward or Clemson sliding back. I mean, <laughs> look I, I I think it's extremely important that game that rivalry but man it has been a bad bad year across the board, academic year across the board for that so yeah I you know in football I, I'll say this you know the Gamecocks at times in this game, By the time the game got there, be it, you know, certain injuries, be it just being overmatched, whatever, they've been taking a knife to a gunfight. I think that uh, to use that analogy again, I I think they'll be better suited to possibly compete. But until they do it, you know, you just got to kind of say chalk it up as a loss. I mean, you know, that's kind of the reality of where they're at with that. You know, and, you know, I tell, I tell you guys like it is, you know. Um, I got excited last year and picked Carolina to beat Clemson because Clemson's offense was not that good. And I was like, well, South Carolina's had some games against some so-so offenses, and, and they've shut them down pretty good. If, you know, who knows, 10-7 ball game, you get a defensive touchdown late, you're, you're pulling the upset, you know. I think I said 24-21. So sort of thought some guys would play better, didn't know how bad Josh Fan's hamstring was. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and then, you know, got smacked down with that prediction 30 to nothing, uh, mainly because the defense, for whatever reason, couldn't stop the run, um, you know, as to why it wasn't maybe 16 7, something like that. Um, and the offense just went, the offense was completely overmatched. Uh, but when you, when you kind of look at the, the playmakers South Carolina it, it will have next year on offense compared to this past year, you feel a little better about it. Now, does that mean that, you know, if Clemson's a run-oriented offense again this season, that, that they'll be able to stop the run better? I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, I, I just know that South Carolina have a better situation. Hopefully, by the time that game gets here, have a better situation at quarterback, more game-breakers at receiver, more players on the perimeter, more of an ability to score. Okay, because Clemson's defense is going to be elite again this year, personnel-wise. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. If they can find a more offense than they had last year, they can be a playoff team and contend for the title. again. If they don't, you know, maybe they're ten and three again. I don't know, but that's the question up there. If you're South Carolina uh, and you know, you know, first of all, you know, you're going to have to stay healthy all year anyway. Can't go into that one banged up. Unfortunately, you got a game against Tennessee the week before. Um, but then second, you know, you, you just got to hope your defense is better next season. And you're going to take your defense on the road up there. And if Clemson's struggling on offense they can't score, you know, you, you can get in that type of game. So, if uh, the gap's been closed. Well, the gap, so wide to begin with. You know, you really have to you know, have to say South Carolina can only get closer, right? Um, people ask me that all the time, and yeah, you know, gap at different points is has been closer than at other points the last seven years. But as far as what you're looking for, <laughs> you know, uh, I'd have to see both teams. We'll have to see how the season plays out. I mean, I, I don't I don't think i I mean heck, I, I probably need a long time to figure that out because, uh, you know, at last year there were points in the season that I thought Clemson, if they had played South Carolina, you know, we'd probably had a six to three game, (laughs) you know, because Carolina's offense wasn't looking good. And, you know, Clemson's offense certainly wasn't anything to write home about either. Um, So, you know, I don't know, you know, those guys have been doing it a long time. They still have a lot of talent up there. Uh, If you're the Gamecocks, I think this season sets up well to go compete with Rattler and some of these other guys. But, you know, you got to go do it. You got to go do it if you're South Carolina. Thank you so much for that. And uh, uh, as everybody talked about Mississippi State having a tough stretch guess we retweeted it. Arkansas fan says it's Alabama or it's Arkansas because they got A&M and Alabama back-to-back. That is true uh, if you buy A&M this year. All right. Fifth quarter, Texas A&M gets back in the conversation. (laughs) I said, some other schools creeping in on Twitter here. Uh, Dr. Bob, AJC, with the men's club lacrosse team going back to the national championship tournament. Is it time to add men's and women's lacrosse as an official sport? Uh, You know, I think women's lacrosse would be a great addition. It's tough for men because Title IX. Now, people would ever use their brain, right? And uh, understand that there's no comparative women's sport to football. And so you weren't trying to hit these scholarship numbers or whatever, and you're screwing baseball in the process because because of that and, and all that. I, I think I think I think we have a better deal with men's sports, you know, around the country. We may have SEC men's soccer, you know, things like that. Uh, but right now, I just don't see it, unfortunately. And uh, I like the sport. I think it's a growing sport. I think it's tough. A lot of people play it. Uh, it's kind of an East Coast deal, but uh, I'd, and I'd love to see it. And, uh, hell, I'd love, this, uh, the hockey club team and the rugby club team are pretty good, too. You know, Cock Rugby, uh, I follow them on Instagram. That's a uh, shout-out to those guys. I think they won the conference championship. Uh, and then, you know, the hockey team, you know, is an exciting group. To go watch, Shane Beamer went out there and watched them. So, uh, you know, those sports are just not I mean, hockey. Probably, you know, college hockey. You know, you're competing against teams from cold weather all the time. um You know, so that's, I don't know, but I, I, you know, I'd love to see more sports. You know, at South Carolina, but you know, now you got money, money, money deals and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but women's women's lacrosse would be a realistic uh, realistic sport to add. I think they were talking about it for a while um, just because of title line and all that good stuff. Gamecock says, JC, you mentioned on the last pod, you didn't expect the newest welcome home to take too long to announce. Do you have any idea on what the timeline is exactly? Nah, I don't. I just think uh, it'll be weeks or days instead of months. So uh, I will leave it at that. All right. So that's all the tweets we have. You can get in on the IELTS Consulting Mailbag uh, by emailing inside the Gamecocks at Gmail. Darian, personally, I'm over the DeCarrion joiner at wide receiver experiment. He's proven he does not possess the skill set to be an SEC receiver. And I believe he takes snaps away from more talented and dynamic guys behind him, like Brown and probably Rucker this year. Love him as a person but doesn't cut it as an SEC slot. I fear the coaching staff will start him over guys that are just better at the position, agree or disagree. I think he's a quarterback. I'm going to keep continuing to say I think he's a quarterback. <laughs> uh, and I don't think Joyner was bad at receiver last year. I just think he's think probably, like you said, there's going to be better. Um, you look at that position, and you know in the bowl when DeCarion was playing quarterback, they played Bell over there and Brown over there, and they are pretty good. Right. Keep in mind, in the bowl game, Josh Van did not have a catch. You know, so any passing game they got was, you know, Brown, Bell, and, and some other, and Xavier Legate caught one, some other guys. So. You know, and I don't want to put it like I'm over it and he sucks or whatever because I don't I don't think that. I think he's just very average as a receiver and he's above average as a QB. Now, what I'm gonna look forward to seeing is are there different ways maybe that that Marcus Satterfield can use him to where that's not the case with him eating snaps. Uh, You know, where he's in a better position. I've always thought he's good from the from from scrimmage. And he's pretty good on reverses and jet sweeps and things like that. And I think he's pretty good, you know, playing quarterback back there. Uh, I thought when they did the wildcat with him this past year, was a little disjointed and, and probably he needed to make some better decisions on it. But, but I can't rule that out either. Um, and what they did in the bowl was not a wildcat. He just basically platooned a quarterback. And that's exactly what Satterfield said, but everybody thought it was the wildcat. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what's what's going to happen, and then there's always this other thing too, man. That just like Josh Van did last year, Joyner could step it up and have a great year at receiver. Um, you know, I, I maybe maybe he does. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know. I do know they love him. They think he's, you know, one of the leaders of the football team, and he is. And, uh, he does anything and, you know, and I, I like a kick returner. I think, you know, obviously I think Juju McDowell is the more dynamic kick returner, but, but DK's proven he can do it. You know, he's had some big returns before and, you know, so you, you know, maybe Pete Limbo puts them both back there and, and then you got to pick your poison. You know, of course, a lot of the kicks go in the end zone anyway, these days, but <laughs> the, the kickoff is a rare occasion. So, um, you know so I, I agree with you in theory. I, I'm very curious to see how they use him. Uh, was you know, was very interested in that in this spring, but he was banged up and hurt, and so we didn't get to see him. But you know, I'm with you. You got a Marion Brown that could run 4 3 and uh beat people deep, or you got a Corey Rucker who's had massive production before, and, and you know, you've got Antoine Wells and Josh Van and you got to move team bell around i mean you know where does dk fit in and like i said i think quarterback i think put him at quarterback and you know let him work there as the backup or the wildcat guy or, or you know, battle Doty for number two and then um Next spring, he battles Doty and or, or Tanner Bailey or Braden Davis or whoever. And if he loses the battle, he can always jump in the portal and go somewhere. Someplace needs a, a quarterback with his skill set. You know, that's what I would do with him. You know, but that's just me. That's just me. Thanks, Darren. and that concludes this episode of the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back later this week with more. Oh, one one more news thing: Brevin Galloway, uh, Boston College transfer guard, uh, was at Charleston, then went up there with Earl old Grant. Coming back, he's from Seneca High School originally. The Brother, uh, I think it's Braden Galloway that plays tight end at Clemson or played tight end at Clemson. I think he still plays there, mm-hmm. but uh, deciding between South Carolina and Clemson, basketball player, guard. Um, so that would be another guy that that comes in for Lamont Paris as he continues to try to fill out this roster. I, I, I have not gotten a beat on, is it Clemson or South Carolina? Uh, there's a lot of ties to Clemson. Okay. And and that's home. That's like the hometown, you know, Seneca. Uh, but if, you know, I, I think he's also pretty intrigued by Lamont Paris and, and South Carolina. So we'll see what happens with that moving forward. Uh, certainly for a lot of you folks out there that, that, are getting a little nervous about him filling out his roster, uh, you know, I'm there with you. Uh, losing a guy to Clemson would not put a good taste in anybody's mouth, but beating them on a the guy from their backyard would probably make people feel good. So we'll continue to monitor it. All right. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks for you, the listener. Again, you want the link for the Carolina rise, donate button, early bird special. Still have a few of those left. You get a swag bag folks. Uh, send it to me. We'll hook you up and get you going. Uh, until the next time this is JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks podcast Mm -hmm. signing off.